I'm going to share uh, from Genesis chapter 8 this morning. Genesis 8. We'll get right into it. <clears throat> Last two weeks we've shared uh, from the story of Noah, and uh, we're going to continue on in that. Although I'm going to skip ahead in the story and, and skip chapter 7. And uh, there's lots of good stuff in chapter 7, but uh, I, I just felt led to, to move ahead on the chapter 8. So chapter 7, of course, the flood comes, and they're in, in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights with all of Noah's family and all the animals. And so I would imagine, <laughs> I would imagine that you'd get a little stir-crazy and one out, right? Some of us were... Uh, uh, really wanting out of the house in the early days of, of quarantine, if you will. And now imagine being at home with all the animals as well, especially cats. It would be, uh, it would be rough. I'm kidding. I know there, I can feel the reddick staring right now and, and Val. <laughs> just kidding. But um, uh, just, oh man, it would be pretty wild. It would be pretty wild to be in that situation and so he, 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 he goes through it, and then we get to chapter 8. And, and I'm going to read the first few verses. And it says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. So here's what's fascinating is that, is that it, it wouldn't have been, an, even though Noah was a righteous man and he walked with God, that it would have been a difficult situation for him to be in. And, and it'd be really easy to lose hope and to get discouraged and think, is this stuff ever going to end, right? And, and the Lord remembered Noah. And even as I read that, I just think, no matter what we're going through this morning, the Lord remembers us. And the Lord is thinking about us. And the Lord has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. And He remembers. And He will send a wind, I promise. Okay. Also, the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained, and water receded steadily until the tenth month. And in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, and the tops of the mountains became visible. And, and I also think this is another prophetic picture, not even in the message yet, that if we continue to look up, that's where our help will come from, right? That's why the mountains were the first thing to be seen. It's the high things that are revealed, and He is the most high. And so no matter what's going on, if we'll begin to look up, we will catch a glimpse of Him, and it will give us the faith and hope and the peace to continue to endure until the waters fully recede. The water decreased steadily. Verse 5, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip to verse 6, I just read 5. Then it came about, and this is where I'm going to start sharing from the next few verses. Then it came about at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And by the way, I believe that the window of the ark, there's only one window in the ark, I actually believe it represents the pure sight of Christ Jesus. You can look at it on the cross and you can see how the cross correlates to the ark. I believe that the window represents when he was pierced and the water and the blood came out. But anyway, it came about the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried from the earth. 
Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the surface of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So she returned to him in the ark. For the water was on the surface of the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her. And he brought her into the ark to himself. Verse 10. So he waited yet another seven days. And again he sent out the dove from the ark. The dove came toward him in the evening. And behold in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. And then he waited yet another seven days, and he sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. All right, I'm going to stop there, and this is where we're going to land at today. So first of all, Noah, he's wanting to see if it's safe for him and everyone to leave the ark. And he first sends out a raven. And ravens aren't exactly pure birds or anything like that. They were actually considered unclean. And he releases the raven and it said it flew from here to there and did not return to him. And, and I think this is a picture of what the Lord desires is that, is that anything that's unclean within our hearts, when His Spirit comes, He doesn't desire it to actually return back to us. And so that's why we have to continue to walk in intimacy so we don't return back to those familiar things, okay? Now, we get to verse, I'm sorry, when it's verse 8. It says, he sent out a dove for him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. Here's what we want to talk about today. The Lord is looking for people and companies of people, and let's just say churches. He's looking for groups of people that will be a landing place for the Holy Spirit. This is the key to revival. This is the key to restoration. This is the key to, to transformation. Is the Spirit descending and landing on a group of people. It's the key. Like we could, you know, w- without the Holy Spirit present, this is basically a rock concert. And you listen to a TED talk. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's what, it, that's what it is, except for I don't use a flat table to teach from, right? So I still like my pulpit. And the, 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 the Lord is looking for men and women and churches that become landing spots for His Holy Spirit. And, and, and the key to this is, is to continue to nurture intimacy with the Lord. Because, yes, many of us have been touched by the Holy Spirit, but He's looking to touch us and remain, okay? He's looking for a place to land. And, and, and in an hour where we really are living in the days of Noah, where men and women are giving themselves to eating and the drinking and to marriage and again it just means that 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 there's not a care or concern in the world concern in the world and and many people have cares and concerns but the lord is not a thought whatsoever it's about what can i do to make me feel good what can i do to or what how much can i get by with and and we even hear stuff like this in the church so it's like we 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 talk about stuff like losing people's salvation and 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 by the way i don't think you can lose your salvation i think you can turn away from it okay there is a difference but we want to know how much we can get by and still squeak through and get into heaven and it's the wrong question 
It's the wrong question. I get so aggravated when I hear this stuff. It's like, what does that even matter? It's just like, I just want to love him and serve him. And if I do that, it's going to be okay. I don't need to think, man, I need to make sure of this, that, or the other taken care of. Or, or maybe I can do this, but if I sprinkle in a little bit of fun on the side... I can get in, and, and it's like, that's, that's, it's the wrong viewpoint. And, and so we have many today that are living in these lifestyles of halfway in and halfway out, and, and there really is no halfway in, it's all the way out. You're either in or you're out. And so we're living in these days of Noah where, where wickedness is acceptable, and, 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 and up is down and left is right and right is left. I mean, it's just everything is contrary to what it should be. I saw... I, we, we had someone pass away in the Supreme Court just the other day, and I saw that people were celebrating the accomplishments of the woman, and I struggle with that. I feel bad for the family that, that she's gone, but I struggle with the things that she accomplished. It's like, why do we celebrate wickedness? We are in the days of Noah, all right? So, so I, I, and if that offends you, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just what I believe with all of my heart. Okay, so, so he sent the dove out from him. He sent the dove out from him to see if the waters had abated. Now, the word abated means if the waters had lightened, if they had weakened, and it actually means humbled. And, and so, so really what this is saying is the Holy Spirit was looking for a place that had been humbled by the waters that had came. And I believe us as a people that if we're going to allow the Lord to use us, we've got to be a people that's been humbled by God. Right? We've got to be, like, I think we need to be, I think Moses would be the most perfect example. He was the one that was so humble that he wrote in the book of Exodus, because he wrote it, he said Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. Now, you would have to be pretty humble or extremely prideful to say that you were the most humble person, right? I actually believe Moses was the most humble man that ever lived, and that's why he could ride it and lightning bolts from heaven didn't strike him down dead when he said something like that. And for us as a people, the Lord's looking for people that just walk in humility. That's why in Matthew 5, it said, Blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, I love that because it doesn't even say that they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. They already have the kingdom of heaven. But if they're going to rule and reign and be trusted with a measure of revival, if they're going to be trusted, trusted with influence, it's going to come by way of being humbled by the Lord and walking in humility. And that is contrary to what is going on in society today. In society today, it's how many likes, hearts, and retweets can I get or how many views can I get for posting a picture that I took 15 times and I finally filtered it to the right one and the lighting was right and my eyes looked right and I post that one because I want to paint a picture of having everything all together rather than living in authenticity with the people that's around me I'm not mad by the way today I promise I just, I, I just like, this is really big in my heart. Everything in society is, is teaching us to puff ourselves up. 
we're the biggest, we're the best. And it's crept over into the church. My church is this, my church is that. And like, I, I get it. Like, we should, we should love where we go. You should love your family. <laughs> but if it becomes about being better or this or that or the other than the one down the street, then the Lord's just going to go land somewhere else. If we've got, and, and I promise, like, we don't have the market cornered on revival. We don't have the market cornered on worship. We don't have the market cornered on teaching. We don't have the market cornered whatsoever. We have an itty-bitty little piece, an itty-bitty little revelation that the Lord has given us. And He's given everyone else a little bit as well. That's why it is a body of Christ. And so, so He's looking for people that's been humbled by, them, by Him so that, they can be, so that they can receive. Now, we're looking at this from the point of view, and I, I should have said this, but I, I just assume you all knew this, but, but obviously the dove represents the person of the Holy Spirit in this story, all right? And so the Spirit is looking for people and places that have been humbled by the Lord, where the waters have abated, if you will. And so, so the Spirit, I think, searching to and fro, looking for companies of people like this. Now, we also don't like to hear this, but honestly, the dove, because now I've been like, Lord, could you send a dove out when there wasn't a flood, <laughs> right? Because that'd be a lot easier. <laughs> and sometimes we go through seasons of difficulty and crushing and pressing because it's actually what prepares our hearts for what the Lord wants to do. And so, so I, I, like I've been thinking about this a lot lately. In, in, in our context, in the context of a lot of people in the church, just transitions and life change and, and, and difficulties, all these things are going on. And the Lord reminded me yesterday, He's like, that just means I'm about to land. Now, Him landing or not is contingent on how we respond to these situations. It's not like I finally got through it so he can come. Because <laughs> if it's like that, that season's going to be much longer. That's why the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and Jesus only went out to the wilderness for 40 days. <laughs> there was the first Israel and then there was the second Israel. I think Jesus represented the, pit, the, the, the nation of Israel as a person. And he went out to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted by the devil, right? And, and then he came out. I love it. He's, he said when he, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. But anyway, I'm not even talking about that today. But, but I think there, there is something to be said of how we begin to respond in these situations. And, and so when the waters come, and look, look I've, I've missed it a lot and there's been situations I haven't responded to real well and even in the last few months there's been things that's happened that I haven't handled really well and I think man how much further along could I have been at this point in time in my life if I wouldn't have been a pouty baby and just been like all right Lord what are you trying to show me in this season now, also, <laughs> this is free, but it doesn't mean your situation is going to change. It just means you're going to have a greater appreciation for the Lord in your life in the midst of your situation. 
So blessed are the humble. And like for me, I like I love that verse in Psalm, I think it's I can't remember if it's Psm 2:8 or Psalm 2:9, but it says that ask of me and surely I'll give the nations to you as an inheritance. And that inheritance comes by way of allowing the Lord to humble us. And and humility, let me humility is this. Humility is fully understanding who God is and understanding who you are in relation to God. That's what humility is. Humility isn't shrugging off the credit when someone says, you did a good job. Simply say, thank you, right? And then you go back to the Lord and say, that crown I just got, I give that back to you, right? Don't, and by the way, don't rob someone of a blessing of them saying, that touched me. <laughs> it was all God. We've heard me joke about that or not before. People used to say that, and like in my early days of ministry, people would say, this is a good sermon. And I'd be like, I was all God. Like, and seriously, now I'm like, if it was all God, it'd have been a lot better than it probably was. <laughs> probably wouldn't have even had to preach. People just been on their faces crying out. Just receive it and thank him, bless him, give it back to the Lord. All right? Now, so the Holy Spirit, the person of the dove, or the dove represents the person of the Holy Spirit. He's looking for a place to land. And in order for him to land, there has to be a people that's at rest. In order for him to land, there has to be a people at rest. Look at verse 9. But the dove found no resting place. I'll feel the Lord right now. The dove found no resting place. For the sole of her foot. So she returned to him into the ark. For the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and he took her. And he brought her into the ark to himself. Now again, picture this. Like, like all scripture points to Jesus. And, and, and this was an actual event. But it also is a prophetic picture of what the Lord did. But picture the Lord saying, oh, there's nowhere for you to land that Holy Spirit. Come here. So he waited yet again another seven days, and then he sent the dove out from the ark. Now, it says he found a resting place. The word resting place is two words in English, but in, in, in the original language, it's one word. And, and that word means the place of recuperating from activity. It means the place, and not just, and not, listen, it's, it's not sitting down resting. It's, it's recuperating in here. And it's recuperating in here. This is what that means. He couldn't find a place where there was peace. Like, I, listen, how many of you, like, a resting place, I can lay down in my bed and not be in rest, right? Like, this thing's going 100 miles an hour, and this thing's going like a million miles an hour, right? And running, running the day's events through my head, and, or running the, the tomorrow's events in my head, and thinking about all the different situations and the conversations that I got to have because I like to plan them all the way out. I don't know why I do it, but if I'm going to have a meeting with you, I'm going to plan 20 different ways the conversation can go. And I'm going to do that in the middle of the night when I'm laying there in bed. Like rest is, rest is a posture of the heart, not a position of the body. All right? And so, so it means recuperation from activity, focusing on rest and a state. This is what gets me. A state of contentment and satisfaction. 
And, and, and that phrase a content, of contentment or a state of contentment and satisfaction, what it really means is a lifestyle of contentment and satisfaction. So the Holy Spirit goes out to look for a place where contentment and satisfaction are being lived day by day by day. You know, Jesus says that the Lord gives a spirit without measure. We've all been given a measure of the Holy Spirit, but he will not give us more if we're not thankful and content for what he's already given us. Okay, and, 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 and in today's society, like everything at you screams, everything at you screams, get this, get more, get more, get more, get bigger and better, teaching us not to be content with what we have and, 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 and possess, like, I think marketing has crept into the church in the sense that we think we need bigger and bigger and bigger because we live this way in our day-to-day lives, right? And the next newest thing is not going to give you contentment. I promise you it's not. And so the Holy Spirit, she, since she, the dove was her, but he, he goes out and he looks for a place that's like, this is content, that's, that's, like, that's a hard thing to do. You know, the, the American dream is what we were, like, just pummeled into us from the time we were that big, especially in the educational system, right? It's, it's, it's do this, go do this, go do this, go get a degree, and then go get yourself the house with the white picket fence and have a couple of kids and get the golden retriever and everything's going to be a-okay. And why is it that many who have done that are the most miserable people on the planet? Because they're not content. Well, I need to get the better breed of golden retriever. I don't know. Or I need to get the slightly bigger house. Or I need to get the one with a little bit wider fence, right? Or I need to get the one that's like year-round, I don't know. It's the type of pickup fence that won't rot. It's made out of plastic, whatever. Like it's always about more and more and more. And the Lord is, and I'm not preaching about possession. I'm just saying, like if we can't get to the place where we're content with where we are, the Lord's not going to give us more of Him. All right? So rest is the key, and it's that posture of the heart. And if, if the dove can't find a place where it can live in rest... It'll move on. And if we can't live in rest, we'll not receive a greater measure of what God wants to pour into our lives. Now, our situations do not matter regarding rest. And, and again, it, 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 many are like, I'm waiting to do this, that, or the other to go after more of the Lord. Or I'm waiting to do this, this, and this. And, and, and I think like, and I've done it. I'm like, if I can just get through the season, then I'll devote more time to him and, or more whatever, more intentionality towards the Lord. And the Lord's like, if you would just do that now, I'll go ahead and give you rest in the middle of this thing. Because we end up prolonging these wilderness seasons because we refuse to enter into rest. And the Lord actually, he says that they never could enter into the promised land, never could enter into rest because of their mindsets and their behaviors. And, and what I'm learning is that the Lord wants to really, like, and this is all reviewed. Like, we know this stuff, and we could probably rattle this off to someone else who's struggling. The Lord wants to come in trials. The Lord wants to come in your tribulations, right? The Lord wants to come in your circumstances. The Lord will help you in your difficulties. It's easy to tell that to other people, but what about when it's us? 
and someone tells you that, you're just like, shut up, right? <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Like, we do. <laughs> I know that. Just give it to Jesus. Like, we, like it's like, I know, I tried. Like, we say stuff like that. But, I, like, there's a lot of truth to it. And I don't think it's something we can muster up. I actually, I just think it takes us getting still before the Lord. And, like, It was two nights ago, I was laying in bed and, and, and I was thinking about a lot of stuff that's going on. And like, I, I wasn't, I, I was tired, but I wasn't in rest. And so I tried harder to go to sleep, which doesn't work, right? And, 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 and I don't know if this is just me or it like, and I'm not saying this will work for you, but, but I, I, I think it probably will. But I'm just like, all right. I'm just going to focus on the fact that the Lord's here in this room with me. I'm not going to think about work. I'm not going to think about bills. I'm not going to think about what's it going to be like <laughs> raising a child till I'm almost 60 years old, right? I'm not going to think about those things. I want to focus on the Lord right now. I don't know how long it was, but I know when I woke up, I thought it was like I, I, I thought it was like Tuesday morning at like 11 a.m. <laughs> like, like I had no idea where I was or what, what day it was. I didn't like I just I crashed. I don't know. Sometimes on Sunday afternoons I'll take a nap. I like to take naps on Sunday, so I'll wake up and I forget what day or month or wherever it is and think I'm late for something. Right? And like that's what it was like. But it started with that focusing on the Lord. Let's not wait for the waters to recede before we enter into rest. Okay? Now, this is what's amazing. In the midst of all this, the Lord's hopeful that you can get this. The Lord's hopeful that we can get this. Listen to this. Verse 10, verse 10, it says, So Noah waited. Noah waited yet for another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark, and the dove came toward him that evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had abated from the earth, the earth had been humbled from the earth, and then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. Now it says, so Noah waited. The word waited, it means to linger, but it means to eagerly expect. It means to hope for the best possible situation. That's what this little word waited means. It doesn't just mean like I'm waiting. Like It means that he waited and like, now imagine, <laughs> everyone's dead. <laughs> Everything's in white from the planet. I'm in here with my family. I'm in here with these animals, right? And the dove came back 
and it brought me a lousy olive leaf or olive branch. Like, I'm not going to be very hopeful. You're like, I'm going to be like, when is this thing going to be over? When is this season going to change? I dedicated half a century to building this thing or almost a century to build this thing. And now it's rained and rained and rained and rained. And I'm wet. I'm yucky. Everything smells mildewy. Like, it's time for something to change. Can't I get a break? Can I get something different to happen? And it says Noah waited expectantly. It's like he opened up that window of the ark and said, well, maybe today will be the day, right? Maybe today will be the day. Maybe today will be the day. And his family just, no, 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 no. So maybe today's the day. Right? Like, like and, there, and I don't know if his family did that or not, but I, I sure can't imagine that being locked in this one place for all this time. And they're like, seriously, is this ever going to end? And Noah's like, the Lord's about to do something. And so, so, so like, this has been a really good reminder for me. It's like, it's like, no matter how long something goes on, am I just, am I going to, let me phrase it like this. There are certain times when we enter into situations or see, not really situations, when we enter into seasons and we can either accept the season that we're in, that this is our lot in life, or continue to believe that the Lord's about to break forth. And I think the Lord is looking for people that are ready to break forth or, look, or, or people that, look, that believe he's about to break forth. And, and so even though we go through all kinds of crazy and, and for all intents and purposes, it appears that really right now the world's kind of gone to hell in a handbasket, right? It, 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 the Lord is hopeful that a group of people is going to get this right here. So in the midst of a pandemic, and we don't know what to do, should you do this, should you do that, should you do the other, like you don't know what to believe, you don't know who to listen to, right? And, and everything that's going on with the racial tensions and everything that's gearing up right now with the election, everything that's going on in the world right now, the Lord is hopeful and expectant that, you know what, there's going to be people that's going to be anticipating and anticipating that I'm about to come. The Lord, like, like, listen, we can buy into all what the noise is saying and start to echo that noise, or we can be the one that really is crying out in the wilderness saying, make ready or make way for the Lord because He's about to come. And I believe the Lord is looking for people, looking for churches that says, I know it's bad out there, but He's still good. And we're still okay. Like, we may be going through all this stuff but my interior world my interior world is bursting at the seams right now i'm pregnant with hope i'm pregnant with expectation i'm pregnant with anticipation and and before you know it the lord's like finally them i can trust them with more of me he's waiting for someone to be ready That's why in Genesis, and, and listen, when he finds it, he moves quickly. He moves, like he, he's, he's ready. Now let me phrase it like this. He goes quickly, but you still may have to wait. That's why in Acts 2 that, 
That's why in Acts 2 that they were praying and worshiping and interceding for 10 days. And then it says, and then suddenly there came a violent rushing wind. Like there's nothing suddenly about 10 days of worship and prayer except for when the moment that it happens. You see, Noah waited and he sent the dove out and then he had to wait seven more days. Now what's fascinating about this, by the way, Oh, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's really cool what the olive represents. I'll just tease it with that for a moment. But that's why in Genesis 1, when the earth was dark and void and covered with chaos, that when the, this is the spirit was brooding and waiting, and then the word of the Lord came forth, it moved immediately and brought order to the chaos. It separated the light and the dark. Now, now, Peace, this is where I want to get to about the olive leaf. Peace, if, if see, we know that the olive leaf it, it represents peace, but, but peace is the beginning of rest. Because you have to get to the point where you go, and then you can rest and recuperate and recover. Now, what's fascinating to me is that that dove, when it first returned to Noah, that it brought the olive branch, and that's actually what's on my arm, but it brought that olive branch, and that olive branch signifies this. It means that there's peace, but it also means it's fertile. (laughs) If you can have peace, you can be fertile. I wonder if this is why the church has such a hard time making disciples and winning people to Jesus because we don't have interior peace. Therefore, we're not fertile and able to reproduce what the Lord's done in our heart. The Lord gives us a spirit so that we can be fertile and reproduce His image here on the earth. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit finds someone with potential, He lands on them, and then the Lord begins to use them. And so I'm saying this, like, look, whatever we've got to do, let's begin to quiet ourselves and allow the Lord to use us and, and, and be very wary and very careful of filling our time with religious activity so that we feel better about ourselves for doing things, but then begin to go and enter in that place of solitude with the Lord and allow Him to speak peace and rest into your heart because when you do that, He begins to impregnate you. If you I'm sorry, It's just the way the language is. It's in the Bible. But He begins to fill you with Himself to where He is what comes out and He is what is released. But but it does not happen. I actually think that trials and tribulations and circumstances are the birthing place of peace and rest. It's where we learn. It's where we learn to, to actually manifest it. Like it's easy. Look, it's easy when you have money in the bank, right? And everyone in the family's okay. No midnight phone calls because nothing good happens after midnight, right? That's what dad used to tell me as a kid, and I used to get so mad at him, but he's right. There's not much that happens good after midnight, but anyway, but anyway, it's, what, it's easy when everything is going well, it's easy to manifest peace. But our situations are actually what qualifies us to receive more of him. Now, this last one, 
This is the most bullet pointy message I've done in a real long time. <laughs> you know how you can learn to live in rest and peace and allow the Lord to just, you know, where it starts with, it really all starts with, it starts with what we talked about months ago and walking in this beloved identity. It, it, it starts with knowing that the Lord loves you and is pleased with you. That's where it all starts with. That's, <laughs> listen, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes and he finds John the Baptist. And he says, you got to baptize me. And John the Baptist is like, look, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals, Right? And Jesus is like, you know, understand, in order for everything to be fulfilled, I'm really paraphrasing here, in order for everything to be fulfilled, I must be baptized. And so he baptizes Jesus. He baptizes Jesus. And when Jesus comes up, it says that heaven was open. The Spirit came as a dove and landed and remained upon him. And then... Out of heaven, the Father speaks. Only spoke two times audibly in the, Old, in the New Testament. The first time was this instance. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The second instance that the Father spoke was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Two times the Lord spoke. The first time he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I've, I've, I've thought about this. Time and time and time again. This was before Jesus went to the cross. This was before Jesus laid hands on any sick. This was before Jesus spit, rubbed mud in people's eyes and said, go wash off in the pool, right? This is before Jesus did a single thing. The Father says, this is my beloved, and in him I'm well pleased. Now, what's fascinating to me is that right before this, and I referenced this part of the story of Jesus' life a little bit ago, but... But right after, immediately after this, Jesus, the Spirit, takes him to the wilderness. It's like, here's what you have. Now let's see if what you have is actually going to last. He takes him out to the wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting to be tempted by the devil. Now, obviously Jesus was fully God. And he was fully man. But when he lived on the earth, he didn't use his God powers, if you will. He used that because Philippians says he emptied him of himself. I don't even know if God powers is the right word, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Like he wasn't like, poof, I could do this to mess with him. Like he didn't do that. He lived as a man living in right relationship with the Lord, with the Father. And so he goes out into this wilderness. Now, I don't know about you all, but like I haven't eaten since last night and my belly's starting to grumble, right? And a lot of us, we start to get hangry and grumpy and agitated, right? April, April, when we used to, we, we used to call it piddling is what we do. Like we'd go places, like when we first got married, you know, we used to piddle was Lowe's. We were poor as poor could be, couldn't afford anything. And we would walk around Lowe's and think one day, like we were the American dream, right? We'd walk around there. But, but when we go piddle, April, oh, it didn't matter what time it was, April, always 
always make sure that she feeds me before we go piddling because a little bit into it, I get grumpy and angry and disinterested. But with a full belly, I can go all day long, man. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. And, I, and she wouldn't even tell me. It took me a long time to realize that's what she was doing. She'd be like, let's go, get, let's go to wherever. Let's go get something. And it'd be like, like some fast food place that I love that she absolutely hates. And so she would send me to somewhere that I like, right, so that I get filled up. But, but Jesus, he goes through these 40 days. He doesn't say he complained. doesn't say he bigger, doesn't say he did anything. He just actually kept speaking the word of the Lord. And when the devil shows up, he spoke the word of the Lord. The enemy came and twisted the word of the Lord. And Jesus is like, no, this is what it actually says. I think he could do that because the father spoke those words to him before he ever went through that situation. This is my beloved son. Listen, like I know, I know a lot of us are being squeezed right now in the room. I'm not stupid. Like, I know it. No, one, I talk to y'all, and we're all kind of close. I mean, we really are. It's not, we're more than acquaintances. We know what's going on in each other's lives. And even if most of y'all, listen, most of y'all, like, you don't even have to be prophetic to know that when someone's going through a hard time, you can look at anyone in this room, you can look them in the eyes, and you know when they're tired and weary and struggling. So, like, we get it. And so I say that to know that many of us are going through these seasons right now and it must mean that the Lord's looking for a place for His Spirit to land, to give increase to. It must mean, because it, it, it doesn't mean the Lord caused it. The Lord caused the flood, but it doesn't mean He caused the circumstances. It could have been the devil. It could have been our boneheaded decisions. I don't know. But what the enemy meant for harm, the Lord always uses for good. And so if we're going through these things, then I just have to believe that the Lord's like, they're about there. They're about there. They're about there. Oh, and that Holy Spirit, he's like, I'm waiting. I'm brooding with anticipation. I'm waiting. And actually, when it says that the Spirit was hovering over the waters, it means that he was trembling with excitement like it's like like picture kid in christmas like like giddiness like oh i can't wait right i mean like like and on christmas day april like april and ethan they love to sleep christmas day i'm stomping through the house and, and banging pots and pans and slamming the kitchen cabinets and going up and down the stairs and and rather than using the bathroom on the first floor I'm going up to the second floor hopefully the flushing or whatever wakes them up like I'm like I'm ready with anticipation I think in the same manner the spirit is waiting with anticipation like they're finally going to get it and so I just want to encourage us this morning man I, I think the Lord's just, I don't know what it looks like. I didn't even ask the Lord what it looks like for most everyone in the room. I'm going to be real honest. I don't want to even try to pretend. I don't even want to try to pretend. I don't want to be so presumptuous. Like I have gut feeling, I have intuition, I, have, like I, I, have, I feel like I know something, but I'm, I'm just saying, look, I'm not going to speak any of it out. I'm just saying those this morning, when you're, those who are going through a hard season right now and those that will eventually go through a difficult season. I want you to remember the word that that dove 
is out there looking for someone to land on. And maybe that crushing, that pressing, the waters washing you, whatever it is, like we can use all kinds of illustrations here, but whatever that is, maybe if we could just get still before the Lord, he'll, he'll come. Amen. Let's just pray into that. I really do think this is a... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be on it like I don't think I've ever preached a message that I thought was for me is just as much as for everyone else in the room as I've been obsessing over this passage the last two weeks actually I've been obsessing over Lord I'm going to start viewing everything I'm going through with a different lens no matter what it is no matter what it is, no matter how trivial, no ma- I'm just going to start to view it as an opportunity. Graham Cook, one of my favorite uh, prophetic people, says that the Lord's in the business of giving upgrades. <laughs> and and I, I, I think, Lord, what are you going to upgrade? Are you, are, are you about to give me more patience? Are you about to give me more kindness? Are you about to give me more love? Are you about to give me a greater prayer life? Are you about to... Give me a greater understanding of reading your word. Are you going to give me a, just a greater appreciation for what's around me? Are you going to give me a greater love for my family? Like all these, like, it's like, what are you going to do, Lord? Not bigger, better. But what are you going to do in here? <laughs> Last thing, and then I'll pray. I'm sorry. I just keep hearing. Elijah, Elijah was a prophet, and he prophesied to Ahab, which was the most wicked king that had ever lived in Israel. Prophesied to Ahab, it's not going to rain. Like, the Lord used him, like, like, he took him before the most powerful person. So it wasn't like he had a small assignment. <laughs> Elisha the Tishbite. Like, that was his first assignment. It doesn't say where he came, it doesn't say anything. He on the scene, comes out like gangbusters. And then the Lord, he prophesies to Ahab, and then the Lord takes him to the Kareth Ravine, or the brook called Kareth. The place of the cutting is what Kareth means. And it was there by the place of the cutting that he had to drink from this brook, and he was fed by ravens, which would have insulted him because ravens were considered unclean. And it was that place of humbling the Lord uses him. And then what's his next assignment? You would think that he goes through this assignment and, and, and start off like gangbusters, start off like gangbusters, and then the Lord takes him into this time of wilderness, sees him by himself. And then Elisha, you would think that Elisha's next assignment, he'd go right back to the king, right? You think he would do that. The very next assignment Elisha had is he goes to a widow and a son that's starving to death because of the drought that Elisha prophesied about. And Elisha says this to him, like, this is so good. (laughs) Elisha's like, what are you doing? And she's like, basically, I'm preparing our last meal, and then we're going to die. And Elisha's like, well, before you do that, make me some first. <laughs> like, like, that's funny to me, by the way, as well, because I'm thinking if that's your last meal, I'm not going to ask for it. I'm just, I'm just not, like, that's how I roll. But Elisha knew in that place of that cutting, 
in that place of humbling, and that place of difficulty, I think he became a landing pad for the Lord to use. And he thought, this isn't, this new assignment, like I was here, like this isn't beneath me. Oh, wow. This isn't beneath me. And I'm going to come here, and I'm going to minister to this mother and son. And it actually says that they, they lived together for quite some time. They lived together for quite some time, which means that they didn't run out of provision. They didn't run out of food. And so they learned the trust. And then he eventually comes back, and long story short, but he ends up raising the same boy from the dead. First dead race in the Bible. But anyway, I'm telling you, like, bigger and better may not necessarily mean, like, you're going to be before important people. It just may mean bigger and better within your own heart. Because this is where it's at, man. Ten years ago, Michael would have been like, if it's not bigger, if it doesn't stroke my ego, I don't want anything to do with it. But I'm learning in this season. To what he's doing right here is what's the most important thing. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you. I feel like, Lord, I could do this all day, but for their sake, I'm not going to. <laughs> no, but I, I, all kidding aside, Lord, I, I would just pray that for every person in this room, that we make ourselves a landing spot for your spirit. Uh, Lord, I don't want you, like, I know every person in this room has been touched at least once, probably multiple times for you or from you. Lord, I'm not, we're not asking for a touch today. We're asking that you actually just come and you remain. I'm asking, Lord, that the Spirit doesn't have to go back to the Father and say, they're not ready. I'm asking that your spirit would come and say, Father, they have peace beginning to manifest in their heart. I think they're ready. And the Father says, just go, go back to them and remain with them. Lord, we want to be a people that's fertile. We want to be a people that's fruitful. It's probably an easier word for most to understand in the room. I'm just asking, Lord, that we don't lose sight of the big picture of what you want to do in our hearts, God. So, Lord, I thank you. Before I say amen, I just want to spend a moment, and you can whisper it, you can sit, and I just want you just to receive what the Lord is doing in your heart right now. just want you to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're changing hearts in the room. Thank you that you're giving new perspectives in the room. Thank you, Lord, that we're not going to have to prolong wilderness seasons because we're going to start learning to live like Jesus did and just look for you and declare the word of the Lord in those situations. So, Lord, I love you. 
and I bless you. It's in your name we pray.